sometimes, um, not sometimes, I often will check Facebook and kind of read through it. It, it kind of keeps me up to date on what's going on in people's lives. Uh, there was, I don't know if any of you read the uh, Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee is sort of this, um, the onion for Christians. If you don't know what the onion is, look it up. Anyway, but the, it, the onion is sort of this sartir- sarcastic, satirical uh, website that has made up news stories that are just meant to be funny. And in the Babylon Bee, they had one not too long ago, pastor uh, believed to have gift of prophecy. And when asked where he got his material from, he said, I, I just read everybody's Facebook account. And uh, so it, I, I do. I look through Facebook and kind of see what's going on in your lives and things like that. And uh, I don't post very often. I just find it. Nah, never mind. Anyway, one of the things that really troubles me is I found out this week I'm immoral. And the reason why I found that out is because I'm not certain I'm going to vote the way somebody wrote on the Facebook account. And in this Facebook account, it says, if you don't vote this way, or if you don't believe this, or if you don't do this, you're immoral. You're not representing Christ. You're, you're a terrible person. You're, and, and, you know, I just found myself going, oh, oh, what am I going to do? I'm now an immoral person. Or maybe I'm a moral person if I choose to, you know, do I, do I vote or don't I vote? What do I do if I vote? Am I moral? If I don't vote, am I immoral? If I vote for this candidate and, and all the stuff that's going on. And there's sort of this decision that we are struggling with, many of us in the evangelical community. In fact, it may look something like this. What's wrong? What's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. I'm trying to vote my conscience, and I, 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 I can't even hear it anymore. There is no choice. My only choice is not to vote at all. Democracy is horrible, absolutely horrible. You're so right. Democracy is the worst form of government there is, except for all of the others. Oh. And that is exactly why you have to vote. No. Yes. No. Yes. If you don't vote, you can't complain. Complaining is all I have left. <laughs> the system isn't perfect, but it's important to participate. Even if you get it wrong, just go to the polls and do what you think is right. Things were so much simpler where I come from. There's only one big giant office, and whoever outruns the fireball wins. <laughs> are feeling that way. And then on top of that, as believers, we we have a little different view of things. I don't know if you caught in the interaction, but the statement was made, vote your conscience. That's okay in a secular setting, but not as a believer. I don't want to simply vote my conscience. I want to ask the question, What does it mean to represent Christ, to live in conformity to 
what it means to be his follower. As I go into the voting booth or whatever I do in my life, what does that look like? How do I make the decisions of my life? And I face a thousand of them probably every hour. Some decisions are significant. Some decisions are mundane. How do I make those decisions? How do I determine which ones are important to my life, which ones are essential, and and which ones aren't? You know, this morning I chose to brush my teeth before I put my contacts in. Was that a godly move? This morning I chose to drive according to the speed limits. Some of you are going, it's a miracle. (laughs) Is that a significant decision? Is there godliness wrapped up in that? The decisions of our lives, we seek to make in a way that brings glory to God. I, every Sunday morning as I'm getting ready and getting ready to come to the church, I listen to Greater Exodus Baptist Church down in Philadelphia. And it's a black church, and the preacher's a wonderful black preacher. And this morning his sermon was on doing all to the glory of God. And I long to do that. I long to express that, but how do I do that in the decisions that I have to make? And when we come to Genesis chapter 24, we're in a unique place because Abraham is struggling with an important decision for his life and the life of his son, and that is, who is Isaac going to marry? Now, that becomes significant. You have to understand, Isaac's in his mid-30s. God has promised to give to Abraham and his descendants the land and to bless all of creation and all of humanity through this individual and his family. And Isaac is 37 years old and not married. What do we do? How do we make the decision? Do we need to make the decision? Over the next two weeks, I want to talk about those kinds of decisions. And it just so happens that it falls as we're kind of, you know, a little more than two and a half months away from the elections. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. You won't even know who I support. That's one of the commitments I make as a preacher. That's not my place to tell you who to vote for unless there is a moral issue involved. And obviously, I don't think there is. But we need to talk about how do we make these decisions? And how do we distinguish between those that are really central and those that aren't? If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 24, and you're going to find that this is the longest chapter in the story of Abraham. There's more verses written about this than anything else in the story of Abraham. In fact, there's more verses written about this interaction, about choosing a wife for Isaac, than there is in all the rest of the book of Genesis. More written about choosing a wife for Isaac than there is about creation, than there is about the fall, than there is about the the giving of the promise to Abraham. There is more written about this. And you ask the question, why? 
And I think part of the reason is because it's so much an aspect of our lives, and that is the decision-making in our life. How do we choose? And the major theme over all of this section, over all of Genesis 24, is this. God guides those who seek to live wisely in response to his promises. You find that sense all the way through these 60-some verses. And over and over and over and over again, you see God spoken about. God led them here. God brought this about. God did this. God led this way. And yet, God never speaks. Doesn't say one word in the entire chapter. But yet God is leading. God is directing. God is guiding. And you need to ask the questions. How do we make those wise decisions? How do we make those clear decisions in terms of what we need to be doing for for my life? As you begin to look down here, one of the things that we need to understand is that guidance is necessary to help us navigate the different types of decisions we face. Not all decisions are equal. We understand that. Not all the decisions of my life are equally significant. I think about that every time I leave work or I'm leaving the office or I'm coming to church. There's about three three different ways I can drive to church. And which way I choose is not all that important. Unless it's 5.30 in the afternoon and I'm leaving, you avoid 3.09 at all cost. But that's really not a very significant decision. Who I marry? Now that's a significant decision. What church do I take? You know, several years ago when we left Louisiana and came here and we had all these different churches that were saying, come and we want you to do it. How did we choose grace? Cindy and I are in the middle of asking the question, when and how do we retire? 85 looks like a possibility. And then there's some other questions, decisions. Do I stay faithful to Cindy or choose to move with someone else? Do I pay back the, when I I remember being at a McDonald's and the new tens were coming out and I was teasing the woman behind the counter about the new tens looking like monopoly money and somehow she thought instead of giving her a 10, I had given her a $100 bill. And she gave me the change back, and I wasn't watching. And Brennan and, and Sebastian were with me, and they had a friend along. And we went back to the table, and I started counting out the money, and I realized what had happened. Do I go back and say, here, you gave me too much money? Or did I say, oh, God's blessed me. 
remember going back, there was no choice there. There was no decision. It was easy. There was a choice, obviously, but it was an easy decision. It was moral to go back. It was immoral to steal the money. And I remember this friend of the two boys, as I went back, he said, you're really taking that back? And we had a wonderful opportunity to teach about morality. That's of a, that's of a level even higher. And as I was thinking through this passage, I was thinking through the different decisions of my life, I came to understand this, that there are basically, I think, three categories of decisions, three types of decisions that we make. Now, you know, I just kind of thought this through. If you want to interact with me about it, if you find some kind of holes in this, great. I'd love to talk more with you about it. But as I was thinking through, I thought there are basically three different types of decisions that we make. One of them is the moral decision, where to say yes to what is here or no is on the basis of a moral or immoral choice. They are decisions that are based on the clear revelations of God's will and his character, and they require simple obedience. Do I take the money back that the woman gave me that is too much? The answer is yes. To do otherwise is stealing. That's easy. Do I stay faithful to my vow to Cindy? To be married to her and to be her husband? The answer to that is yes. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the decision. I can remember counseling with a man that was talking to me, and he said to me, you know, I was fired for political reasons. I said, oh, yeah, what was the political reason? He said, well, I borrowed $10,000 from the company, and they fired me for it. I said to him, you borrowed it? He said, yeah. I said, did anybody know you borrowed it? No, but I meant to pay it back. I looked at him and said, you stole $10,000. Stop deceiving yourself. That was a moral decision. It was clearly wrong. Now, there's some that are a little more difficult in God's revelation. Things like pride. When is it pride and when isn't it pride? Or, or things like greed. When is it greed and when isn't it greed? Some of those are a little bit more difficult. You know, if, if I cheat you in a deal, that's obviously greed. But if, you know, I'm trying to get the, the best business thing here, is that greed? Am I taking advantage of you? Those sometimes are a little more difficult, but where God's word is clear, the moral choice is I do it. I obey. I do what God has called me to. And there are many decisions in our lives on a day-by-day basis that are moral. Here's the second category I thought of. Call them wisdom decisions. Decisions that are based on understanding both the circumstances and God's revelation as it applies to this specific situation. God's moral revelation is not situational. It doesn't change based on the situation. But wisdom decisions do. 
Wisdom decisions are the decisions, probably the majority of the decisions that we struggle with in our lives. And they require thought and they require evaluation. The decision of what church do we go to as we were leaving New Orleans and coming up and being involved in another ministry. The decision of whether or not we leave a pastorate of 20 years. Those were not moral decisions. There was nowhere where I could open the Bible and turn to, the, to a particular passage, and it says, thou shalt leave thy church after this many years. In fact, if I was going to do something weird like that with the Bible, I could say, you know, when Israel divided, the divided between the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms, and we were down south, and the southern kingdoms were more righteous. Therefore, when we're looking for a church, we better look for something in the south and not the north. That'd be weird. There's no clear revelation. How do you make those decisions? In fact, that's most of the decision you find here. Should Isaac get married? Yes, we're going to see that was a moral decision for Abraham. Who he should marry? Nothing clear. There was a process that had to be worked through. And then the third level is this. I didn't know a name. This name I chose. The mundane decisions. Decisions that are mostly inconsequential, involving only an informed choice. This morning I woke up and Cindy has one kind of toothpaste and I have another kind of toothpaste. Which toothpaste should I use? Well, whether I should brush my teeth is probably a choice of wisdom. You know, taking care and using God's body and taking care of it and doing what we need to do and all those kinds of things. But whether I use Sensodyne or whether I use AIM or whether I use Colgate or whether I use Crest or whether I use, you know what? You make an informed decision. This was cheapest. (laughs) Or I like the taste. The kids, for the grandkids, we have this bubblegum toothpaste. I'm not sure it's really that good, but, oh, it tastes so good. There's one tutti-frutti that's really good. Be informed. Make a choice. Should I drive 309 or should I drive, you know, schoolhouse road? Be informed. Make a choice. They're They're really mostly inconsequential. Now, think about those three areas. Think about those three kinds of decisions. Maybe you're facing a decision in your life right now. Is it a moral decision? Is there a clear revelation from God that this is what you should do? Is it a wisdom decision? Now, there, there's not a clear verse. I, I can't go, thus saith the Lord, but there are so many principles in Scripture and so much a part of who God's character is that it guides and directs my decisions. Or is it simply make a choice? Mundane. Now, the most difficult, I think, are the wisdom decisions. The moral decisions are clear. The mundane decisions, go read an article and make a choice. But the wisdom decisions, 
Who do I vote for, I think, is a wisdom decision. Who I marry is a wisdom decision. What church I choose to pastor is a wisdom decision. Those are all wisdom decisions. What church do I attend? What should I make my home church? Those are wisdom decisions. Now, wisdom decisions are difficult because they are situational. The choice may change as the circumstance changes. I have no desire, no conviction, no thought of leaving grace. Some of you are going, oh, man. But 10 years ago, I was in a situation where I felt very clearly it was time to leave. Some of our choices may change. Cindy and I have had a decision many years ago, made a decision, said we're not going to attend R-rated movies. Now, when we went to PCB, Philadelphia College of Bible, then became Philadelphia Biblical University, now it's Cairn University, at least when we went there, you weren't allowed to go to movies. So the decision was easy. We didn't go to any of them. Then we graduated. First movie we went to was Star Wars. But we made the decision, no R-rated movie, and then something happened. Saving Private Ryan came out. Profound movie. It's a culturally significant movie. Schindler's List was another one. People were talking about it all over the place. It was a major part of discussion, and I thought, you know what? In this circumstance, this situation, I think it was wise to go see so that we could interact. And some of you may say, no, 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 that was the wrong decision. That was a wisdom decision. It may change based on the circumstances and the situations. There's something else about wisdom decisions that make them difficult. Wisdom decisions are difficult because they involve the implications of Scripture beyond their, de- their, their clear declarations. There are places where I read Scripture that, that inform my understanding. I'll give you one. When I was in Louisiana, one of the things that began to happen in Louisiana was gambling. Gambling took over in Louisiana, became a major industry in Louisiana. It was interesting. The Constitution of Louisiana said that they could not pass laws allowing for gambling. So you know what the legislature did? They said, this isn't gambling, it's gaming. And therefore, we can make laws allowing gaming. They passed it. I had had a conviction that said, I will have nothing to do with casinos. Now, the problem was, the casinos had the best buffets. The casinos had some really great shows. One of them was Blue Man Group. I love Blue Man Group. And they would come to the casinos every so often. And I even had friends that would go to the buffet. Their thinking was, hey, 
They don't make any money on the buffets. I'm taking money away from them. And they would go see shows, and I'd have to say, you know, personally, I have a conviction. For me, I will have nothing to do with it. My friends would say, show me in Scripture. My response is, you know what? I really can't. I can show you where gambling is foolish. I can show you where using your money in that way is not good stewardship. I can show you in Scripture where it talks about the man who seeks to, to, to gain wealth, to make wealth quickly, is a fool. I can show you all of those things, and there are implications here. I can tell you about the man in my church who had a gambling addiction and was, com- was threatening to commit suicide because of it, and my hatred of the casinos because of that, and how they exploited that. It was based on the implications of Scripture that became a very strong conviction for me and while we were all together for the family. It was based on the implications. Wisdom decisions are difficult because they are personal The right choice may be different for different people. It may be perfectly legitimate for you to drink a glass of wine at a meal. But if someone is an alcoholic, it's devastating. And it's wrong. I had a friend in Louisiana who was an alcoholic for 20-some years. And he became sober. He changed his life around. He was a drug addict. Unbelievable story. And he was working for Lutheran Christian services. And he would often go to churches to preach. And when they would do communion, many of the Lutheran churches used wine. He knew because of his addiction, he could not drink that wine. That was a personal issue for him. Probably not for anyone else in that congregation. Wisdom decisions are difficult because they involve areas of personal conviction and personal liberty. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14. And in Romans chapter 14, Paul is addressing this very similar kind of issue, this wisdom issue, wisdom as it deals, as the individual is dealing and struggling with that in his life. And he's dealing with a couple of issues. Some we can understand, some we can't. One is eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. They would sacrifice the meat in the, in the temples to these false gods, and then they would sell the meat afterwards at a cheap rate. What do you do? Paul was speaking about those that chose to make certain days very special in their lives. And those that didn't. Who was right? Who was correct? Listen to what Paul says. Romans chapter 14. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man's 
um, whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I will make no comment on vegetarians. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's service? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another day. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He goes on to say, verse 13, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, let us make up our mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in another's way. Maybe it's okay for you, but you're in a group where if you make that choice, it will cause others to struggle. That's tough. That's not black and white. That's not certain. Your conviction may be very different from mine. I had a dear friend who who wanted to give Cindy and I a gift, and he called up Cindy, and he said to Cindy, hey, listen, there's this particular show going on, I think it was Cirque du Soleil, and Cirque du Soleil is going on, and it's at this particular casino, and Cindy said, you know what? Keith won't go. So my friend would use the tickets. Should I condemn him? Was he right and I was wrong? Was I right and he was immoral? What do we do with those? There's another problem with wisdom decisions. Legalism and decadency are the result of confusing These types of decisions, when I make a moral decision into a wisdom decision, that's where immorality and decadence builds. When I make a wisdom decision or a mundane decision into a moral decision, that's where legalism builds. That's where I say, you're not a very good Christian because you fill in the blank. You see, decadence is the result of confusing moral decisions with wisdom or mundane decisions. When we take God's clear revelation about morality, when we take God's clear declaration about honesty and integrity and pride and, and greed and lust, and we try to make them situational, the result is a corrupting of my life. A corrupting of my demonstration of the presence of Christ in my life. We need to be careful that we don't make moral decisions into whatever I feel. But there's another way that we have problems, and that is legalism is the result of elevating the mundane or wisdom decisions to the place of a moral decision. Boy, I can give you so many examples of this. For several years, Cindy and I homeschooled. We homeschooled our children. Those who homeschool, I love you folks for the work that you do. 
Those of you who are public school teachers and private school teachers and others, I love the work that you do. And it's an area of wisdom. What do you choose to do? I can remember attending homeschool or association meetings. And it was stated very, very clearly. If you don't homeschool your kids, you are acting immoral towards them. I didn't respond too well to that. We have to be so careful. There are so many areas like that in our lives. where We're not certain. Beloved, if you vote or don't vote, it's a wisdom decision. It's not a moral. And some of you are saying, I don't know if I can vote. Some of you are saying, I need to vote because it's a binary choice. Those are wisdom decisions. Whether you vote for this candidate or that candidate, whether you vote because of this person's particular personality or that person's particular personality, whether you vote because of a strategic move that says in the long run, I think this will lead to this, or you're more immediate and more existential in terms of this particular vote. You know what? Those are wisdom decisions. You need to think them through. You need to study. You need to be aware. You need to be clear. You need to be praying. You need to be doing all of those things. But please stop sending me the Facebook posts that say I'm immoral if I disagree. I will not read them. They are wisdom decisions. So much division in the body of Christ takes place over these wisdom decisions. I can remember growing up and being told, if it's a syncopated beat, it's of the devil. I love syncopated beat. I'm of the devil. I can remember growing up being told, Good Christian boys don't play face cards. And my parents loved canasta. And rook was okay. We have divided over silliness. Sometimes not silliness. Sometimes serious struggles. But we need to make sure that we do not make Wisdom and mundane decisions into moral ones. That's what Paul says. Don't judge. Now, the, the other struggle is that there are situations that involve all three types of decisions requiring different responses. Is here in Genesis chapter 24. There is a moral decision. Should Abraham, I mean, should Isaac marry? And should he marry someone and move back to Palestine, after they're married or live in Palestine, the answer to that is yes. It was a moral decision. How do I know that? God revealed that Abraham's children and Abraham's descendants should live in the nation of Israel. What would become the nation of Israel? And so, as Abraham is struggling through there in Genesis chapter 24, whether or not his son should marry and who he should marry and who he should get for Abraham a bride or a bride, whatever that sentence, you can... You can stretch it out later. 
But in the midst of that, as he's thinking it through, he understands that there is a declaration by God. He says of, of, of God, he says, I swear to you by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you must get from your wife out of Canaanite. And then he goes on and the servant says, yeah, but what if she won't follow? And then Abraham in verse six says this, make sure that you do not my I'm sorry, make sure that you do not take my son back to that land where you choose a wife. Why? Because God revealed something. And Abraham says, this is a moral choice based on God's revelation. There was a wisdom choice in there. Don't let him marry anyone from the Canaanite tribes. Why? Did God order that? No. But Abraham had seen what the Canaanite tribes were like. Two of the cities that were Canaanite were Sodom and Gomorrah. They weren't too good. And Abraham says, based on wisdom, I want a bride back from my old people, where I came from. And then there were mundane decisions. Who do I send to go do this? How many camels should he take? All three are involved in that. Now, the question becomes, how do you make those decisions? How do you make a wisdom decision? Well, the first thing is guidance is given to those who in faith seek God, his will, and his purpose. The very first thing we need to understand, that when we are seeking God's guidance and those wisdom decisions, we need to seek God. And just real quickly, we only have a few moments, but let's talk about the things that we seek. We seek this. We seek to have a clear understanding of the nature of God. What is God like? God is loving. God is moral. God is righteous. God is caring. You know, God has called us to be a certain kind of people that reflect him. And I need to be aware of those things. I need to be seeking that. I need to be, God, help me understand more of what you are like. I need to look at Christ, who is the perfect representation of the Father. And say, what was his life like? Yes, WWJD. Yes, that's right. You see it as Abraham is struggling through this decision. He knows what God is like. He knows that God has blessed him and is a God of goodness. He knows, as you read down through there in verse 3, I want you to swear to the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth. I know what he's like. I know he's sovereign. I know he's good. I know he's blessed. And I will seek to live my life based on what I know about God. And I will seek to know him more. We seek to have a clear understanding of the purpose and will of God. Beloved, know the word of God. That's where you see God's revelation. The hardest part for Abraham and for Isaac, they had no written revelation. They were dependent on who was going to come and water the camels and do all that. And we'll see that next week. We have God's word that clearly declares his will and purpose for our lives. That we are to live a life that represents Christ. That we are to be moral. That we are to be faithful. That we are to be honest. That we are to be people of integrity. That we are not to be people of greed and pride and arrogance. 
Abraham understood God's purposes. As he's talking to his servant and he's sending him away and he's giving them his instructions as to who to choose. He says to him, as he's describing the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and by an oath said these things. Know what God has said. It's in his word. You have to make a decision. Ask the question, what are God's clear principles of revelation that affect this decision? Thirdly, we seek to have a clear understanding of the promise of God. That he will be faithful, that he will provide wisdom, that he puts us into a community of people that are there to guide us and lead us and direct us. That God has put his spirit into our lives that is there to lead and to guide and to move us and to change us and to to work in our thinking and to work in our reactions. Abraham says, I know the promises of God. He declares it. And based on those promises, I choose to do this. And then finally, We seek to fully trust in the provision and providence of God. That's the message here. Get everything lined up and trust that God will lead you. Trust that God is directing you. Abraham says, you know what? Even if it takes an angel. Now that's significant for Abraham. He's met angels. How many of you here have met an angel? Don't raise your hand. And no, I'm not talking about your wife or your girlfriend. And so he says, you know what? I know God's provision. I'll trust it. Even if he has to send an angel, I know that God will provide. James said it this way. If any of you lack wisdom, He should ask. That's prayer. That's seeking. That's following God's promises. That's knowing God who gives generous to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. What's the decision you're seeking? Who should I vote for? Yeah, that's a big decision. Pray about it. And we'll talk next week a little bit more about it, but When he asks, he must believe and not doubt, to have faith. Because when we doubt, we're like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. And is this God's answer? Is that God's answer? What's going to happen? That was whining, by the way. God says, I will lead you. I will guide you. Trust me. Now the question becomes this. How do I make those wise decisions? Got to come back next week. Because we're going to talk about that process. Notice not how do I make a a moral decision. That's easy. God's word says, go do it. Not a mundane decision. Eh, Go read an article. Find out which toothpaste is best. Go watch the sales flyers. Find out which one's cheapest. 
But that wisdom decision, there's a process that God provides in his word that we see in the life, not so much of Isaac, but of Isaac's servant that helped us understand how to make those decisions and trust in God. God will guide us. Stop all this moral and immoral stuff over decisions that are wisdom decisions. Stop judging one another. Seek God's direction. And God will guide his people to accomplish his purpose. Father, thank you for the example we have in Abraham. Thank you for a man who was willing to be obedient in a moral decision, who was willing to seek you in the wisdom decisions, and who was willing to make the decisions in his life that simply allowed him to live through that life. Father, all of this begins with a relationship with you as we, through that relationship, have the guidance and directing of your spirit. As we have his empowerment, as we have God's word to direct us and to guide us. Father, each Sunday morning we mention that if there's someone here that doesn't know your son is their savior, is not sure of that relationship, that even this morning they would come and speak to me or someone that they would like to know what that means and like to have that relationship. Father, thank you for those of us who know you as our father, that your spirit indwells us, that your word is there to enliven us, that your spirit will take the word and the community that we live us and give us the direction that we need. Father, may we seek you and your wisdom for your glory. Amen.